Chapter Four, Part Two, Section Ten, of the General History of the Pirates, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mike Harris. The General History of the Pirates, Volume One, by Charles Johnson. Chapter Four, Part Two. Bonnet stood to the northward in a small vessel, but wanting necessaries and the weather being bad, he was forced back, and so returned with his canoe to Swivelance Island, near Charlestown, to fetch supplies. But there being some information sent to the governor, he sent for Colonel Rhett, and desired him to go in pursuit of Bonnet, and accordingly gave him a commission for that purpose. Wherefore the colonel, with proper craft and some men, went away that night for Swivelance Island, and, after a very diligent search, discovered Bonnet and Harriet together. The colonel's men fired upon them, and killed Harriet upon the spot, and wounded one negro and an Indian. Bonnet submitted and surrendered himself, and the next morning, being November the 6th, was brought by Colonel Rhett to Charlestown, and, by the governor's warrant, was committed into safe custody, in order for his being brought to his trial. On the 28th of October, 1718, a court of vice-admiralty was held at Charlestown in South Carolina, and by several adjournments, continued to Wednesday the 12th of November following, for the trial of the pirates taken in a sloop formerly called the Revenge, but afterwards the Royal James, before Nicholas Trott, Esquire, Judge of the Vice-Admiralty, and Chief Justice of the said province of South Carolina, and other assistant judges. The King's commission to Judge Trott was read, and a grand jury sworn for the finding of the several bills, and a learned charge given them by the said judge, wherein he first showed that the sea was given by God for the use of men, and is subject to dominion and property as well as the land. Secondly, he particularly remarked to them the sovereignty of the King of England over the British seas. Thirdly, he observed that as commerce and navigation could not be carried on without laws, so there have been always particular laws for the better ordering and regulating marine affairs, with an historical account of these laws, and origin. Fourthly, he proceeded to show that there have been particular courts and judges appointed, to whose jurisdiction maritime causes do belong, and that in matters both civil and criminal. And then, fifthly, he particularly showed them the constitution and jurisdiction of that court of admiralty sessions, and, lastly, the crimes cognizable therein, and particularly enlarged upon the crime of piracy, which was then brought before them. The indictments being found, a petite jury was sworn, and the following persons arraigned and tried. Steed Bonnet, alias Edwards, alias Thomas, late of Barbados, Mariner. Robert Tucker, late of the island of Jamaica, Mariner. Edward Robinson, late of Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Mariner. Neil Patterson, late of Aberdeen, Mariner. William Scott, late of Aberdeen, Mariner. William Eddy, alias Neddy, late of Aberdeen, Mariner. Alexander Anand, late of Jamaica, Mariner. George Rose, late of Glasgow, Mariner. George Duncan, late of Glasgow, Mariner. Thomas Nicholas, late of London, Mariner. John Ridge, late of London, Mariner. Matthew King, late of Jamaica, Mariner. Daniel Perry, late of Guernsey, Mariner. Henry Virgin, late of Bristol, Mariner. 
James Robbins, alias Rattle, late of London, Mariner. James Mullet, also Millet, late of London, Mariner. Thomas Price, late of Bristol, Mariner. James Wilson, late of Dublin, Mariner. John Lopez, late of Oporto, Mariner. Zachariah Long, late of the province of Holland, Mariner. Job Bailey, late of London, Mariner. John William Smith, late of Charlestown, Carolina, Mariner. Thomas Carman, late of Maidstone in Kent, Mariner. John Thomas, late of Jamaica, Mariner. William Morrison, late of Jamaica, Mariner. Samuel Booth, late of Charlestown, Mariner. William Hewitt, late of Jamaica, Mariner. John Levitt, late of North Carolina, Mariner. William Levers, alias Evelis. John Brierley, alias Timberhead, late of Bathtown in North Carolina, Mariner. Robert Boyd, late of Bathtown aforesaid, Mariner. Roland Sharp of Bathtown, Mariner. John Clark, late of Charlestown, South Carolina, Mariner. Thomas Gerard, late of Antigua, Mariner. And all except the three last and Thomas Nicholas were found guilty and received sentence of death. They were most of them tried upon two indictments, as follows. The jurors for our sovereign lord the king do upon their oath present that Steed Bonnet, late of Barbados, Mariner, Robert Tucker, etc., the second day of August in the fifth year of the reign of our sovereign lord George, etc., by force of arms upon the high sea in a certain place called Cape James, etc., did piratically and feloniously set upon, break, board, and enter a certain merchant sloop called Francis, Peter Manwaring, commander, by force, etc., upon the high sea, in a certain place called Cape James, alias Cape Inlope, about two miles distant from the shore, in the latitude of thirty-nine or thereabouts, and within the jurisdiction of the Court of Vice-Admiralty of South Carolina, being a sloop of certain persons, to the jurors unknown, and then and there piratically and feloniously did make an assault in and upon the said Peter Manwaring, and others, his mariners, whose names to the jurors aforesaid are unknown, in the same sloop against the peace of God, and of our said now sovereign lord the king, then and there being piratically and feloniously, did put the aforesaid Peter Manwaring and others, his mariners of the same sloop, in the sloop aforesaid, then being in corporal fear of their lives, then and there in the sloop aforesaid, upon the high sea, in the place aforesaid called Cape James, alias Cape Inlopen, about two miles from the shore, in the latitude of thirty-nine or thereabouts, as aforesaid, and within the jurisdiction aforesaid, piratically and feloniously, did steal, take, and carry away the said merchant sloop called the Francis, and also twenty-six hogsheads, etc., 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 being found in the aforesaid sloop, in the custody and possession of the said Peter Manwaring, and others, his mariners of the said sloop, and from their custody and possession, then and there upon the high sea aforesaid, called Cape James, alias Cape Inlopen, as aforesaid, and within the jurisdiction aforesaid, against the peace of our now sovereign lord the king, his crown and dignity. This was the form of the indictments they were arraigned upon, and though they might have proved several more facts upon the major part of the crew, the court thought fit to prosecute but two. The other was for seizing in a piratical and felonious manner the sloop Fortune, Thomas Reed, commander, 
which indictment, running in the same form with the above-mentioned, it will be unnecessary to say more of it. All of the prisoners arraigned pleaded not guilty, and put themselves upon their trials, except James Wilson and John Levitt, who pleaded guilty to both indictments, and Daniel Perry to one only. The Major would have gone through both the indictments at once, which the Court not admitting he pleaded not guilty to both indictments, but being convicted of one, he retracted his former plea to the second indictment, and pleaded guilty to it. The prisoners made little or no defense, every one pretending only that they were taken off a maroon shore, and were shipped with Major Bonnet to go to St. Thomas's, but being out at sea and wanting provisions they were obliged to do what they did by others, and so did Major Bonnet himself pretend, that twas force, not inclination, that occasioned what had happened. However, the facts being plainly proved, and that they had all shared ten or eleven pounds a man, excepting the three last, and Thomas Nichols, they were all but they found guilty. The judge made a very grave speech to them, setting forth the enormity of their crimes, the condition they were now in, and the nature and necessity of an unsigned repentance, and then recommended them to the ministers of the province for more ample directions to fit them for eternity. For, concluded he, the priests' lips shall keep knowledge, and you shall seek the law at their mouths, for they are the messengers of the Lord, Matthew 2.57, and the ambassadors of Christ, and unto them is committed the word or doctrine of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 19 and 20, and then pronounced sentence of death upon them. On Saturday, November 8, 1711, Robert Tucker, Edward Robinson, Neil Patterson, William Scott, Job Bailey, John William Smith, John Thomas, William Morrison, Samuel Booth, William Hewitt, William Eddy, alias Neddy, Alexander Anand, George Ross, George Duncan, Matthew King, Daniel Perry, Henry Virgin, James Robbins, James Mullet, alias Millet, Thomas Price, John Lopez, and Zachariah Long, were executed at the White Point near Charlestown, pursuant to their sentence. As for the captain, his escape protracted his fate, and spun out his life a few days longer, for he was tried on the tenth, and, being found guilty, received a sentence in like manner as the former, before which Judge Trott made a most excellent speech to him, rather somewhat too long to be taken into our history, yet I could not tell how to pass by so good and useful a piece of instruction, not knowing whose hands this book may happen to fall into. The Lord Chief Justice's speech upon his pronouncing sentence on Major Steed Bonnet. Major Steed Bonnet, you stand here convicted upon two indictments of piracy, one by the verdict of the jury and the other by your own confession. Although you were indicted but for two facts, yet you know that, at your trial, it was fully proved, even by an unwilling witness, that you piratically took and rifled at no less than thirteen vessels, since you sailed from North Carolina, so that you might have been indicted and convicted of eleven more acts of piracy since you took the benefit of the King's Act of Grace, and pretended to leave that wicked course of life, not to mention the many acts of piracy you committed before, for which if your pardon from man was never so authentic, yet you must expect to answer for them before God. You know that the crimes you have committed are evil in themselves and contrary to the light and law of nature, as well as the law of God, by which you are commanded that you shall not steal, Exodus 20.15, and the Apostle St. Paul expressly affirms that thieves shall not inherit the kingdom of God, 
1 Corinthians 6.10. But to theft you have added a greater sin, which is murder. How many you may have killed of those that resisted you in the committing of your former piracies I know not. But this we all know, that besides the wounded you killed no less than eighteen persons out of those that were sent by lawful authority to suppress you, and put a stop to those rapines that you daily acted. And however you may fancy that that was killing men fairly in open fight, yet this know, that the power of the sword not being committed into your hands by any lawful authority, you were not empowered to use any force or fight anyone, and therefore those persons that fell in that action, in doing their duty to their king and country, were murdered, and their blood now cries out for vengeance and justice against you. For it is the voice of nature, confirmed by the law of God, that whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Genesis 9, chapter 6. And considering that death is not the only punishment due to murderers, for they are threatened to have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, Revelations 21, 8, see chapter 22, 15, words which carry that terror with them, that considering your circumstance and your guilt, surely the sound of them must make you tremble, for who can dwell with everlasting burnings? Chapter 33, 14. As the testimony of your conscience must convince you of the great and many evils you have committed, by which you have highly offended God, and provoked most justly his wrath and indignation against you, so I suppose I need not tell you that the only way of obtaining pardon and remission of your sins from God is by a true and unfeigned repentance and faith in Christ, by whose meritorious death and passion you can only hope for salvation. You being a gentleman that have had the advantage of a liberal education, and being generally esteemed a man of letters, I believe it will be needless for me to explain to you the nature of repentance and faith in Christ, they being so fully and so often mentioned in the Scriptures, that you cannot but know them. And therefore, perhaps, for that reason, it might be thought by some improper for me to have said so much to you, as I have already upon this occasion. Neither should I have done it, but that, considering the course of your life and actions, I have just reason to fear that the principles of religion that had been instilled into you by your education have been at least corrupted, if not entirely defaced, by the scepticism and infidelity of this wicked age, and that what time you allowed for study was rather applied to the polite literature and the vain philosophy of the times than a serious search after the law and will of God, as revealed unto us in the Holy Scriptures. For had your delight been in the law of the Lord, and that you had meditated therein day and night, Psalms 1 and 2, you would then have found that God's word was a lamp unto your feet, and a light to your path, Psalm 119.105, and that you would account all other knowledge but loss, in comparison of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, Phil 3.8, who to them that are called is the power of God, and the wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians 1.24, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the word, chapter 2, verse 7. You would then have esteemed the Scriptures as the great charter of heaven, and which delivered to us not only the most perfect laws and rules of life, but also discovered to us the acts of pardon from God, 
wherein they have offended those righteous laws. For in them only is to be found the great mystery of fallen man's redemption, which the angels desire to look into. 1 Pet 1.2 And they would have taught you that sin is the debasing of human nature, as being a derivation from that purity, rectitude, and holiness in which God created us, and that virtue and religion and walking by the laws of God were altogether preferable to the ways of sin and Satan, for that the ways of virtue are ways of pleasantness, and all their paths are peace. Proverbs 3.17 But what you could not learn from God's word by reason of your carelessly or but superficially considering the same, I hope the course of his providence and the present afflictions that he hath laid upon you hath now convinced you of the same. For however in your seeming prosperity you might make a mock at your sins, Proverbs 3.17, yet now that you see that God's hand hath reached you and brought you to public justice, I hope your present unhappy circumstances hath made you seriously reflect upon your past actions and course of life, and that you are now sensible of the greatness of your sins, and that you find the burden of them intolerable. And that therefore being thus laboring and heavy laden with sin, Matthew 11:28, you will esteem that as the most valuable knowledge that can shew you how you can be reconciled to that supreme God that you have so highly offended, and that can reveal to you him who is not only the powerful advocate with the Father for you, 1 John 2, 1, but also who hath paid that debt that is due for your sins by his own death upon the cross for you, and thereby made full satisfaction for the justice of God. And this is to be found nowhere but in God's word, which discovers to us that Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world, John 1.29, which is Christ the Son of God. For this know and be assured that there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12, but only by the name of the Lord Jesus. But then consider how he invites all sinners to come unto him, and that he will give them rest. Matthew 11.28. For he assures us that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 19.10, Matthew 18.11. And hath promised that he that cometh unto him he will in no wise cast out. John 6.37 so that if now you will sincerely turn to him, though late, even at the eleventh hour, Matthew 26, 9, he will receive you. But surely I need not tell you that the terms of his mercy is faith and repentance. And do not mistake the nature of repentance to be only a bare sorrow for your sins, arising from the consideration of the evil and punishment that have now been brought upon you, but your sorrow must arise from the consideration of your having offended a gracious and merciful God. But I shall not pretend to give you any particular directions as to the nature of repentance. I consider that I speak to a person whose offenses have proceeded not so much from his not knowing, as his slighting and neglecting his duty. Neither is it proper for me to give advice out of the way of my own profession. You may have that better delivered to you by those who have made divinity their particular study, and who by their knowledge as well as their office as being the ambassadors of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.20, are best qualified to give you instructions therein. 
I only heartily wish that what in compassion to your soul I have now said to you upon this sad and solemn occasion, by exhorting you in general to faith and repentance, may have that due effect upon you, that thereby you may become a true penitent, and therefore, having now discharged my duty to you as a Christian, to give you the best counsel I can, with respect to the salvation of your soul, I must now do my office as a judge. The sentence that the law hath appointed to pass upon you for your offences, and which this court doth hereby award, is that you, the said staid bonnet, shall go from hence to the place from whence you came, and from thence to the place of execution, where you shall be hanged by the neck till you are dead. And the God of infinite mercy be merciful to your soul. End of chapter 4, part 2. Recording by Mike Harris.